welcome to the Kutufana Anatomy podcast. This is season one, Basics of Anatomy. And this is episode four. And episode four has a very interesting title, right, Pete? So the opening question is, is there anything that anatomy can reveal as new? Anatomy, new. I mean, I mean, by definition, the short answer is no. Anatomy stays at as is because thinking about the name of anatomy, obtaining knowledge through dissections, and if the body doesn't change and the methods stay the same, then um, nothing new can be discovered. So, no. Thank you for attending our TED talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's no, no, no. It's 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 not that easy because there are two different things that need to be differentiated. And I think you made that point um, greatly previously when you said evolutionary changes to human anatomy and new discoveries in anatomy. I think right. I had asked you, for example, about tendons in people's hands, and you see all these weird articles on Reddit talking about. People, when they flex their hand one way, you can see a tendon in their wrist versus others who don't. And is that a, a variation in anatomy just from person to person? Or is that more tied to evolutionary changes that we've all gone through? Okay. Um, so both points are very, very great. So let's talk about these different tendons that you can see during wrist flexion. Um Humans have genes and these genes determine how the morphology of the human is presenting. And that means these genes, of course, are not equal. Everybody is different. And because everybody is different, we have a different anatomy or a different morphology, to be precise, which in the best of all worlds can be simplified as anatomical variation. And to stay with the tendons in the forearm sometimes we can have additional muscles sometimes we have can more muscles sometimes we have we can have less muscles sometimes we have variation of splitting or double tendon or a single tendon there are different ways how anatomy presents itself when we stick with that example of the wrist um, tendons and another great example is when we're speaking about anatomical variation is the difference between the left and the right side of the face because the facial artery almost never travels in the same location on the left and on the right side and the other very important aspect about variation is a very clinical one it means that even if you learn the anatomy from a book like following one illustration or if you learn the anatomy from a body donor during one of the dissection courses that you attended, it does not mean that the patient that you see the next day after you finish the dissection course follows exactly the anatomy that you learned the day before. It doesn't, because every patient is different. And this is um, anatomical variation, which is determined by genes, actually. You used a term you haven't used yet, and that was... The difference between anatomy and morphology. You just want to explain quickly what morphology is. Oh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, anatomy is a simplified word for something that is present in a human body, but the detailed 
terminology for this one should actually be morphology. It's just the the structure, how it is presenting. And this structure, how it is presenting itself, can be identified by different ways. One of the ways is through dissections. And then identifying the structure by the means of dissection, well, this is what we call anatomy or obtaining knowledge through anatomy, kind of dissecting things and then obtaining knowledge. So, and the other component that you that you mentioned um, was evolution. So evolution um, is a process that is that is still ongoing. Um, luckily, or unfortunately, depending from which side you see it, um, the improvement of medical care kind of does not really favor evolution. But um, but what happened is that through evolution, through the process that we call survival of the fittest and um, i have to admit i mean these books of charles darwin they're so complicated to read i mean this english is is so complicated but um but i mean with with survival of the fittest it just means that um some changes happen for the better of the respective individual or the race and and the thing is this is why we always say the better is the greatest enemy of the good because it's something much better. And for instance, what happened and what is better in humans than it was previously in um, in New World monkeys and primates is that um, as humans, we do have a buccal fat pad. Primates, they don't have that. Um, the significance of the buccal fat pad could be, is, could be the fact that it's a type of brown fat because we have different types of fats. In a, in a human body and there's a brown fat which can generate energy without shivering and generating energy in heat um, close to the muscles of mastication allows the individual to chew even if all of the other skeletal muscles are shivering so it's one way of th- seeing the buccal fat pad which we have in humans but we don't have in in, uh, in, in monkeys the other aspect is for instance um, that we do have red volumized lips. Monkeys don't have this red portion of the lips. We call this the vermilion. Um, everything kind of is similar in skin color, but humans, they do have this increased volume and the increased color because this increases the contrast between the white skin and the red of the lips. And this increases attractiveness. We know this very well. This is why we, as humans, use lipstick sometimes to increase the contrast. And um, another aspect in a face is when you look at the eyes, you can see the white triangles left and right of the pupil. And um, this is what we call what we call the sclera or the scleral triangles. Um, monkeys don't have that. Humans do have that, and it's um, important because this adds very much to nonverbal communication. And communication is the most important thing to keep groups of individuals together and to structure groups because groups assure the survival of the individual. So this is kind of the two aspects that we need to consider when we think about um, anatomy and how it's presenting in terms of um, anatomical variation or changes through evolution. So with us all having those things, and that's not new, is there even anything new? Well, this depends on how close you look and what methodology you utilize to look at it. 
Um, a couple of examples. Um, in um, a couple of years ago, I was approached um, by my dear friend um, Isaac Zelensky, um, who's a Mohs surgeon from Israel, and um, he asked me if I know about an artery on the ear that he sees constantly during his surgeries. And I had no idea. I've never seen that artery before. So I did some investigations and we published two papers and um, we found out that this artery is a constant feature and this artery has no name. So we named it Zelinsky Kotofana Arcade. And this is one of the crucial arteries when it comes to helical rim repair um, for the ear. So this is one thing. It's kind of, it's new. But was this artery not there before we started looking at it? The answer is, of course not. The artery was there. We just looked closer looked more detailed and had a focus to look exactly in that spot for that respective artery and then we found it so this is one a very good example of you looking very close and um, then you find it it's it's very similar to the thought experiment of um, in quantum physics about Schrodinger's cat you know will you open the box or will you not open the box it's kind of it depends on it depends on the finding that you make will depend on if you look yes or no and how close you look and with ma what methodology you look. Right. Because Schrodinger's cat's more an example of perspective. Want, wanted dead and alive. <laughs> yeah, <that's> But <laughs> you don't know which until it's observed. Exactly. So the question is, um, was the artery there, yes or no, before I looked at it? So it's kind of, um, yeah, it could be that the artery was not there and the artery just was there because I looked. I mean, of course it's not, but I mean, it's still possible to argue. It's the same thing like with um, some patients do not consult the physician because they do not want to have the diagnosis. And until the moment they don't have the diagnosis that something is wrong, they are okay. So that, so that means with putting a diagnosis or putting a name to a certain disease, you manifest the disease. And the question is, are you healthy before you were diagnosed? The answer is no, because you had symptoms. And there was a reason why you looked for a physician to, to find this, uh, an explanation why you have that symptoms. But it's, it's, it's interesting to play this, that thought experiment. But the same thing is with anatomy. Is there something new in anatomy? And, um, and, and I had asked you about ligaments in the knee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and they discovered this new ligament um, in the knee um, amongst the cruciates. And um, of course, this ligament was there before, but because we performed so much ACL repair, um, at some point, we just look in greater detail. And then the, the clinical field kind of discovers and establishes knowledge gap and that knowledge gap then needs to be closed and filled with knowledge and this is when you find some certain aspects which help to improve clinical practice and on the same note i mean during my career we we and by we i mean my esteemed research collaborators in my research group and my dear friends um, across the world and especially in munich we kind of found the transverse facial septum a crucial structure when it comes to facial biomechanics and normal facial movement i mean that's one structure the other structure in 2017 for the first time we identified that in a face we have a canal for the facial vein very similar to the carotid sheath in the neck that surrounds the the 
internal and jugular vein. So we found also the facial vein canal. And, um, and just recently, we identified the subfrontalis fascia, so a fascia below frontalis muscle. So there are a lot of things that we discovered as a research group. And the question is, were these structures not there before? The answer is, of course they were there before, but we were the first ones who kind of focused and directed, looked for those, and then we found them. And I'm very confident that this is not the end. There will be much, much more to come. And um, and I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be, it's, it's super exciting. With new technologies emerging, with new ways of looking at certain things, I mean, there there's a bunch of new things to come. With With all those new structures, like the facial nerve canal and the uh, arcade in the ear. Does everyone have these on some level or is that still a difference in morphology between people? Um, actually, the answer is, it's, it's a great question in terms of, is this just a variation? And the answer is no. In all of these discoveries that we made, um, it's constant. Everybody has them. Everybody has them and it's very constant. For instance, the facial vein canal, um, I've never seen one dissection which did not have the facial vein canal. Some, some instances when I perform dissections and I'm, I'm not able to find it, it's not because it's not there. It's because maybe I was just too rushed or I, I don't know, I, I just couldn't find it because my skills in that moment were not up to par with uh, the difficulty of the specimen or the specimen was just a little bit difficult to dissect, which... I encounter all the time. So it's it's not it's not sometimes it's not always the other things or to blame it, oh there is an anatomical variation, it's absent. No, it's not. I mean it's um it's there. Maybe just my skills are not um sufficient. And it's so funny because sometimes um and it's just it's just a running joke. Sometimes when um when we're in the lab dissecting together with um with the dear colleagues and then we're looking for some specific structures and we just cannot find it. And amongst colleagues, of course, we cannot say to each other, well, we did a bad job. We removed that during the dissection process. At some point, we just we just look at each other and say, anatomical variation. And then everybody agrees, yes, anatomical variation. But in, in actually, in secret, we know, yeah, I just screwed up this dissection. But it's nice to say anatomical variation is an excuse. In identifying these things, can all of this be done with anatomical dissection and then often when you don't find it, it's because you accidentally obliterated a structure in the process of dissecting. Or have we found more of these discoveries because of technology and the ability to refine scanning and scan at higher resolutions, the, the layers of tissue? I think, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think technology helps us and will help us in the future. And, um, and for instance... Just one example, um, with the help of technology, um, we were able to identify on the forehead the line of convergence because it's, it just determines kind of the bidirectional movement of the frontalis muscle. And without technology, we would never have been able to identify that the skin moves in two opposing directions. They move against each other and they converge in a specific line. And this we call the line of convergence and without technology we would have not been able to identify it so so the answer is yes with technology things will be substantially easier in the future and i'm really looking forward when at some point we have that type of technology that shows us if in the face we truly have choke vessels yes or no or how the lymphatic 
system interface is arranged and these are really very exciting times. I'm really looking forward to those ones. But the ones that I just explained, um, like the facial vein canal, the Zelensky cotofan arcade, or the subfrontalis fascia, or the transverse facial septum, these structures were identified with the sections because this is what I can do. Kind of, I used my tools to look at specific features and I found those within the range of my tools and my abilities. And I'm sure future researchers and better anatomists will come who will continue my work and will explore more. And then new discoveries will be made, which ultimately help to guide clinical practice. Fascinating. <laughs> oh, very cool. So that technology, some of that is those cool images you have of the 3D scans of the face with everyone making expressions, right? With the, the vector lines. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, these are some of the technologies or to say better images and clinical images were technology from their respective companies because it's not my technology. It's kind of a tool from a company that can be purchased um, publicly. And um, and yeah, they, they just help. They help to guide us. And of course, they can be used in research and this technology can help us to validate certain aspects when we speak about the principles of aesthetic treatments like the upper face first lateral face first or the deep layer first i mean technology helps us to establish and to improve clinical practice awesome thank you i think this was a good one um did i did i answer all your questions for today? yes that's excellent well if you have questions though let us know yeah exactly so guys um out there um when you listen to this um and you have questions please feel free to submit those questions through the portal it's kotofananatomy.com and um, we will be more than happy to receive your questions and to answer them in the future webinars and with this i would like to thank you very much pete for being with me here today thank you and um, my dear audience i'm gonna see you and hear you the next time thank you very much for your attention